Hey there, brick and mortar business owner. Today we have a really good meaty podcast for you all. For those of you that want to grow and scale in the way of hiring a new team member, maybe adding another location or building out a bigger location, taking those really big steps in your business. If you are there, you might need to consider a fractional CFO and Danielle Hendon is your person. Daniel's goal is to help business owners understand their numbers and to think outside the box to build a profitable business that is on a sustainable foundation. And we talk all about different things. We talk about three financial red flags, where to find them and how to address them, which tasks should be completed at a regular cadence to keep your business's finances healthy, and then what are some different ways to create safety nets in your business for that cash flow cash flow is the biggest thing a small business needs to have. And that is why most businesses fail is because of the lack of cash flow. So Danielle is your expert. This podcast is super meaty. And in fact, I found myself just like pausing to reflect on my business on how I could implement what she's talking about and grow my business smarter and and stronger, right? So that I have more cash reserves, so that I have more flexibility and freedom to do my goals. So I hope this is really helpful for you all. Danielle has a link in the bio here where if you want to reach out, please use that link. That'll take you right to a landing page to connect with her. And that way she knows it's coming from our podcast. And if you did enjoy the podcast, please reach out to her. All her socials are linked up as well. We always appreciate hearing from you. All right, here we go. Let's get real. You've put your blood, sweat, and tears into creating a storefront that lights you up, serves your clients well, and contributes significantly to the community you love. You are my hero, and I affectionately call you a rebel woman. Hey there, my name is Melissa Rose, a brick and mortar business owner with a handful of kiddos and a few passion projects that I head up like this one. I'm also your visibility coach and consultant for a service-based business like yours. I'm passionate about helping small business owners thrive in their community and become the only option in town for their industry. In this podcast, we're going to share the nitty gritty of running a successful brick and mortar business by sharing stories, talking strategies, and learning practical tips to run a kick-ass business. Ready to be inspired, empowered, and equipped to create the small business of your dreams? Let's get real. All right. We have Danielle Hendon here on the Brick and Mortar Visibility Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. I'm super excited because if we don't have money coming in our business, we don't have a business and we are not going to be able to market our business and do all the things. So um, I'm super excited for you to come on and teach all the teach all your wisdom to the people who follow Brick and Mortar Visibility. So before we dive into the nitty gritty, please tell us, Danielle, what did you want to be when you were a little girl? Oh my gosh. I, I, I went from a couple of things. I used to want to be a nurse when I was little, little, I wanted to be a nurse and then decided I do not like the sight of blood. And I went from that to wanting to be, um, an opera singer. I actually went to college as a music major before an English professor had us write all about the future of your career. And I realized I'm never going to make any money. Oh, that was so smart, but not because I had that professor too. Like if there's anything you could do besides sing, dance and act, you need to figure it out. And I was like, well, I guess I could teach it, but yeah. And then you're like, but I don't know that I want to do that. I I was like, oh, I have some friends in accounting. Let's go try that. (laughs) Okay. So you, you liked opera. 
Oh, yes. I love, I love music. Oh, do you, so you still sing and do that? Church choir and yeah. going like with musicals and stuff with my daughter who now I'm living vicariously through her while trying to, what, what is the word? Trying to fuel her passion and not crush it the way my English major or English right. professor did. But, um, but also a little bit of like, okay, so what do you want to do for a job? How old is your daughter though? So she is 11. Okay. Danielle, let her live that dream. <laughs> and I'm living vicariously yes. through her. I'm like, oh, let's go see six and let's go see Wicked yes. and let's go yes. see. Yes, 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 yes. And um, it, yeah, I and now I'm to the point where I want to be the person helping helping those artists live and do shine in there. I actually just saw a friend last night. Oh my gosh. High school friend. She's a couple years younger than me, but she is a jazz singer. And, um, my other friend had this backyard, you know, music porch party type thing. And just hearing her voice before I even saw her, she is like Nora Jones quality. Like it was like, Oh my gosh, she is so good. See, that's what just makes me melt when someone's got a voice and you just melt. Yes. And that's exactly what did. I was like, wow, my jaw was dropped, tears in my eyes because I'm like, okay, we need, I'm like, who's your publicist? Who is marketing for you? And she's like, not really anybody. And maybe we should talk. And I'm like, and so then I'm like, yes, I want to have the capacity to help those people and, and do that. So good. And, and, and isn't that fun? So yeah, you have your business and your English professor, maybe guided you a different direction, but now you can support the arts, which is important too. So yes. awesome. How and many it's kiddos? So much fun to get to listen as well. Yes. And how many kiddos do you have? So I have two. I have a boy and a girl. Perfect. Perfect. How old is your boy? He just turned 13. We're getting into all the fun teenager phase. <laughs> you just wait till that little girl turns 13. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> I have, I have five. Um, my listeners know I have five and I have three girls and then two boys. And I, I am so glad I had my girls first because my boys are a piece of cake. They are a piece of cake compared to those girls. But my, my son is definitely, even now with the two years apart, I'm like, I can, I can feel it. I'm like, don't you slam that door. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Well, good luck. <laughs> all right. Let's dive into the fun stuff. Let's, let's talk. Parenting is hard in all the stages, y'all. So here we go. All right. So tell everybody, Danielle, who you are, what you do and who you serve. Yeah. So I am the owner of Four Corners CFO and I help small business owners put more profit in their pocket. I come from a corporate background. Like I said earlier, I went into accounting in college, went into public accounting after that, got my CPA license and started a family and realized that working 80 hours a week and having a newborn in the house don't mesh very well together. So I jumped over to the industry side and being in the Houston area, most of my experience was with oil and gas. So I landed with an oil and gas company that I loved. They liked to run themselves like a family business. Everybody everybody knew everybody got along. It was great until they went through bankruptcy. And Ooh, then shoot. the financial banker started slicing and dicing everything up. And then the pandemic hit. So it was kind of like, okay, the doors are closing. What am I going to do next? And you'll hear parenting so much in my story because it is, it's why I do what I do. And when the pandemic hit, I, I will admit I was a bit of a workaholic. When you love what you do, you throw yourself into it. And 
it gave me a completely different perspective of parenting to be home with them during all of that and to go through that experience as a family. And I realized I didn't want to go back to driving downtown and working even in corporate working 40, 60 hour weeks and not being there for the kids. I really loved being swim mom and get her to class mom and getting to know the friends and the teachers and the coaches and being part of that experience. And I didn't want to give it up. Mm -hmm. So I was blessed with a friend of mine who introduced me to another fractional CFO that was running her own firm. And she was kind enough to show me the ropes and tell me, you know, this is doable and you can do this. And I haven't looked back ever since. Awesome. So um, who are your ideal clients? I love working with women in business in general. I love the growing movement of women in business in business, and the empowerment. And it's just completely different than corporate. It's not the dog eat dog. It's the rising tides. It's everybody lifting each other up and growing. And it's such a refreshing environment to be in. I just love getting to be part of it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So I'm going to ask you some questions and we'll take it from there. So what are the top three financial red flags and where do you find them and how do you address them? So that's kind of a big question just to jump into it. (laughs) I will start with, in order to find them, you have to be looking at your numbers. I know so many business owners that want to stick their head in the stand because it's easier to pretend there aren't any problems if you're not looking for problems, but at least looking at your numbers, knowing what's your revenue, what's your expenses, what's your What are your numbers in your business? I will say that's not a red flag, but if you're not doing that, you will begin to look for the red flags. I just don't understand how people don't. Like, how do you not? Like, I look every day. They usually look at their bank account, but they aren't necessarily looking at their financial numbers. Yeah, yeah. That's so interesting to me because I look every day. <laughs> like I'm looking at my QuickBooks and just <laughs> like, where are just things at? Where things went, where you want uh-huh, them to. Uh-huh. Like, oh, we, we spent a little bit more there. Okay. Um, so what, okay. So you say, look at your numbers. So I, you're looking at what? Not you just your bank account. You're looking Yeah. So if you are, and I'm going to use QuickBooks because yes. 90% of the U S is going to be on QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to know, you want to be looking at your profit and loss statement. Um, accounting people might call that your income statement, but what were your numbers on your profit and loss? You'll see things like revenue or income. You'll see your expenses. You'll see your cost of goods sold. All of that is on that P&L statement. Mm -hmm. And it is huge when it comes to knowing how your business is doing. It's like a a scorecard Mm -hmm. or a health check for your business is looking at that number. Um, When it comes to those three financial red flags, I will say one of them, the very first one, is what I'm going to call negative operating profit margin. Yeah. That sounds very accounting and very techie, so I'm going to explain it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But when you're looking at that P&L statement, if your revenue minus your cost of goods sold is not positive, your business is costing you more than it's making before you even spend a penny on things like marketing and accounting and administrative Mm -hmm. stuff. Or pay yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So if that number's negative, we've really got to work on it. In fact, I try to get most of my businesses to, to a 50-50 on that number. I want that number to be at least 50%. So if you're bringing in, let's say $10,000 in revenue, we want your cost of goods sold to be $5,000 or less because we still got yeah. other bills to pay. And as brick and mortars, absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah. 
So cost of goods sold can get a little tricky and not everybody puts the same things in that. Yeah, box. talk to us about that. Your cost of goods sold should be the cost of providing the goods or services that you're doing. Mm -hmm. For you brick and mortars, it's not necessarily going to include rent. That's why we really want that number to be decent mm -hmm. before you start paying all the other things. Mm -hmm. But your cost of goods sold is going to, and a lot of times people don't include this, it's going to include people. It is going to include the staff that provide the services. If you are running, let's say, a dance company, mm -hmm. who's teaching the people? And mm -hmm. how much are you paying them for every hour that they're teaching somebody? Now, there's going to be some administrative time and some downtime and some learning time and development and all those things as well. But I always have my clients do what I call an allocation. So you'll have your payroll, and then you allocate the time that they spend in the actual teaching and the revenue generating activities up to that cost of goods sold line. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. every dollar of revenue you make, there is a cost and we need to know what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I put my payroll, my payroll is cost of goods sold um, for that. And then I can't imagine. Yeah. So people really like, it just baffles me that like they really, but I, I know this because I have friends that don't know. They're just like, if there's money in the bank and I'm like, wow. So everybody's and different. what I call bank statement accounting. If you have money in the bank, you can pay the bills. Is there enough money in the bank to pay the bills or do you need to go make some more money? And mm -hmm. it, it works until it does. And when it doesn't, it crashes and burns pretty hard. Yeah. Cash flow is huge. So talk to me about, okay, so you're looking at the profit and loss statement or the balance statement. You're looking at that monthly. How, how often do you recommend? I recommend looking at it at least monthly. Yeah. So your profit and loss and your balance sheet, you should be looking at monthly because your balance sheet is going to hold that second red flag that I wanted to talk about. Yeah, what's and that that's second gonna red be, flag? What is your debt? Do you have debt? And that can be a really loaded question to some people. And we all have our own notions about debt and whether or not it's good or bad. And I will say it's both. Mm -hmm. But if your debt is more than your assets, your cash in the bank account, the if you own the building, the value of your building, those are going to be, if your debt is more than that, your business is upside down, basically. Think of it like a car. When you purchase mm -hmm. your car and you've got the value of the car and then you've got the loan, and if the value of the loan is more than the value of the car, you're mm -hmm. upside down and it's not a fun place to be in. Mm -hmm. And your business can be upside down too if your debt is exceeding the value of your business, which is Usually for small business owners, it's going to be mostly cash accounts receivable if you have to wait for people to pay you. And then if you own any kind of assets like a building. So how can you help us get flip that around? So it is all about being intentional. And I want to start by saying there there is good debt and bad debt. It's not all bad. There are a ton of reasons to take on really good debt. And it all comes back to how intentional you are about that. So unintentional debt, running up the credit card and not paying it off or not having a choice because you're in a pinch and you need to keep paying the bills, those are not intentional decisions. They're scrambling in the moment decisions and they don't lead to good debt. But if you are growing your business and let's say hiring two new staff so that you can provide additional classes and you know it's going to take a month or two to get those staff up to speed, get the classes filled. You may need a little bit of debt to pay those people for a month or two, knowing it's going to pay off exponentially afterwards. 
So to get around that, if you already have debt, if you're upside down, the first thing you need to look at is your cash flow. And that goes back to, we said balance sheet and income statement, P&L, about once a month, you should be looking at cash flow once a week at least. Mm -hmm. You need to know that there's money in the bank account and you need to be telling that money where to go and what to do. Mm -hmm. And if you're not, it's going to go towards all the expenses and all the bills and you're left with nothing at the end. So how do you guide business owners on telling it where to go? So we start by working towards a budget because we've got to know what the plan is before we can figure out where the money's going. We've got to look at where we look at expenses to see where the money's actually going. We look at your revenue to see how much is consistently coming in. And then we look at a budget to say, this is what we think is going to happen for the rest of the year. Using that budget, you can then layer in what I call your timing components. Do you get paid up front? Do you get paid afterwards? Do you have people that pay 90 days late for some reason? What are the timing components? Or I will use your credit card again as an example. If you have a $5,000 in operating expenses that I know I put all mine on the credit card. So they all go on the credit card as much as you can, get those points. But then that's going to be next month's cash bill. That's going to hit cash next month, not this month. Mm -hmm. So you layer in those kind of timing differences to figure out what does your cash flow look like? And I am a fan of making cash flow look like a budget. I don't think cash flow statements, if you ever go into QuickBooks and pull one, is probably going to look like total gibberish. Most accountants I know don't like cash flow statements. Mm -hmm. Investing activities operate like it just doesn't make sense to, to most business owners. Mm -hmm. But if you treat it like a budget and you say, I know I'm going to have this much cash come in the door from sales. I'm going to have this much cash go out the door for my cost of goods sold. And then I've got rent utilities, cell phone, all of those things. Rent is not going to be on your credit card usually, but all the other little stuff usually is. So I know my credit card runs about this much. Our rent runs this much. This is what's going to hit my bank account this month. How much is left mm -hmm. and what do I want to do with it? And that, mm -hmm. what do I want to do with it is how you get yourself out of the upside down. Mm -hmm. It's figuring out where do I want to put that money so that the business can grow and the strength of the business can grow. Because I know so many business owners that either aren't paying themselves, which means you're going to burn out inevitably, and mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to continue serving people because you got to pay your bills personally too. Mm -hmm. Or you are paying yourself and putting everything else back into the business. Mm -hmm. Every penny goes back and you don't have savings. You're not thinking about taxes at the end of the year. You're not thinking about paying down the debt because let's be honest, it doesn't hit, debt does not hit your budget. It hits your cash flow. Mm -hmm. You will never see payments on a loan hit your P&L. They hit your balance sheet mm -hmm. and people budget off of the P&L, not the balance sheet. So it's going to hit cash flow and you need to tell the cash where to go mm -hmm. and make sure you've got it left over to do that. A mm -hmm. lot of business owners, especially brick and mortars, took on idle loans in these last couple of years, and now mm -hmm. they're having big payments. And what a lot of people don't realize, or they do when they haven't put it all the way together, the idle loan is for 30 years. Mm -hmm. If you're making minimum payments on that idle loan, 
where do you plan to be in 30 years? Cause mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I don't think I plan on running this in 30 years, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but that idle loan is not transferable. It is stuck with the business that it's in. So even if you sold your business, that idle loan has to be paid off to do it. That's a lot. <laughs> just like, wait, like, Does anybody need, okay, everybody take a drink of whatever you're drinking. Like we all need a deep breath. <laughs> Can we have something fun? Like, okay, <laughs> manifest the money. <laughs> yeah, and it is so much. So when it comes to debt, so much of it's up here. So much of it's mindset. Because a lot of us are in the like, Dave Ramsey, you can't have debt. Don't do any of it. Credit cards are bad. I'm not a huge proponent of that. I think debt's great when it's intentional. I use credit. I'm. You could ask Chase right now. My credit card is maxed out, but it's also paid off every month. Mm-hmm. Because I want my point. Okay, so how do you examine goals and priorities to create an effective budget and a savings fund? When we are looking with a client at their expenses and their revenue, which are the first two things we look at, we want to make sure that we understand where do you want your business to go? Before we even start building the budget, we need to know where you want your business to go. Are you in a growth mode? Are you in a I need to pay myself mode? Are you in I need to get out of jail? Like we need to stop the bleeding, get this going, or we're going to be back in corporate mode. Mm -hmm. And all three of those are going to have slightly different goals and where you want to put the money. Mm -hmm. But that being said, I will never, ever, ever tell somebody not to pay themselves. Even if it's the smallest amount, don't break the habit of putting yourself first in your business, because if you do, it's really hard to get back into. Mm -hmm. So at a bare minimum, pay yourself something, even Mm -hmm. if you're in growth mode or I don't know what to do, like I don't care where you are in the business, make sure you're paying yourself. But then when we take that goal, we go back and we look at your expenses. And this is going to be something all your listeners could do, honestly. Go look at all of the expenses in your business. And with our clients, we bucket them in one of three categories. You're going to have what I call your required expenses, the cell phone, the internet. I I don't know a single business owner that can run without the two of those things. You got to answer the phone for somebody and you got to be able to book calls and make appointments somewhere. Then you're going to, and your rent for your brick and mortars, you're going to have rent or mortgage. One of the two is going to show up. You have to pay that or you don't have a place to be. So those required expenses are going to be one category. The second category is going to be what I call personal perks. The things that our tax CPA tells us we can run through the business, but they add a value to you, the business owner, not necessarily to the business. Mm -hmm. The third category, and this is where we can do the most work, is investments. Every other expense, if it's not required to run your business and it's not a personal perk, it is an investment in your business. And every investment should have a return on investment, whether it's time or money. So look at every single expense, put it in one of those three buckets. And then for the things that are in your required bucket, I would challenge you to ask yourself if you could do it cheaper. Do you have to pay this much to get this out of it? Whatever the required thing is, does it have to be that expensive? I will use an example of an attorney that I was working with, and we went through this exercise, and she has licensing credits that she has to maintain. And I know as a CPA, I have education credits you have to maintain. You usually have to go pay to get these credits mm-hmm. and the education. She was paying, I want to say, $1,000 to go get her, her credits for eight hours, let's say. And I told her, I said, I know if it's anything like it is for CPAs, 
there are websites where you can go get unlimited hours for a couple hundred bucks versus mm-hmm. eight for a thousand. So then a couple hundred bucks is your required. The rest of it really is an investment. Why are we paying so much more for this thing? But in her mind, it was required. You have right. to take yeah. education units. Mm-hmm. So it's really asking yourself everything in that required bucket. Do you have to pay that much? Mm-hmm. And if you don't have to, what are you getting out of it? What is that return on investment for the extra money you are paying right. for a brick and mortar? And I had this conversation with a wedding um, dress provider the other day. Some of it might be that, you know, you're paying a lot in rent, mm-hmm. but that's coming back to you because you've got access to people through X, Y, and Z, or you need to know why you're paying the extra and make sure it's giving you extra. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other part of it is going to be all of those other things that are not required. They're not personal parks, all of those investments. And that's going to be the majority of the expenses on your list. What are they giving back to you? What are they giving back to you in time or money? And if they're not, why are we still spending it? Mm -hmm. Can you give us an example of some like investments that people are doing that shouldn't be? Marketing is going to be your most common investment and it's going to take time to see a return. Mm -hmm. But if it's not giving you a return, then you either need to pivot into marketing it somewhere else, somehow, something different, Mm -hmm. or you need to cut that and try something different entirely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'll use an example of, let's say Facebook ads. If you're doing Facebook ads and you're seeing nothing out of it, your ads are either in the wrong place, we're putting it in the wrong. We need to change. It's not necessarily that you don't want to spend that money. You can still spend that money on marketing, but Mm -hmm. make sure that marketing is giving you a return. I will say marketing is the one category I always tell my clients, give it at least 90 days. And an assessment time. And I'm going to say that as a marketing expert, you give it at least 90 days, 90 days. Yeah. But you should see something within 90 days. And if not, I full on board, like, yeah, no, but you got to track it too. And just like you with your PL and your balance sheet, y'all, you got to be looking at it. Otherwise you're just, you're guessing. And then when you see black and white answers, it, it then beca- it becomes non-emotional or less emotional, I should say, because there are times when it's emotional, like it's yeah. just it's sucky or you're looking at the other one. And that can be a really emotional. Mm, Yeah. Your people are one of your biggest investment. They will always be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love this question you have here. What are some um, different ways to create safety nets in your cash flow? Oh my gosh, this is my favorite. It's not as easy right now. This is not the easiest time to go look for funding. The banks are starting to open up a little bit. I just got a call the other day myself personally from Chase saying, hey, we're doing line of credits for this, this, and this. And I was like, okay, so we're starting to see a little more traction. But a line of credit is my absolute favorite safety net for every business owner. I don't care what kind of business you are in. It is the easiest way to give yourself a safety net while you build up cash flow. The best safety net is your own bank account. Mm -hmm. But that takes time and it takes discipline and it takes putting money aside. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of putting it out of sight, out of mind, because if it's in your operating account, you're going to spend it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But a line of credit lets you get through the, oh, crud, I have to make payroll and we won't get paid till next week. Yeah. Okay. So you can draw on your line of credit, make payroll. And when you get paid next week, go pay it back off. Do not run a line of credit up. It will cost you just as much, if not more than a credit card. Mm-hmm. But you can access it for cash, not just for spending and swiping like a credit card. Well, 
Very good. Um, what uh, what are three profit levers you have here to pull when you have negative profit margins? Oh, I love this one. So a lot of people think I'm not making enough money. I need to sell more. That's yeah. the automatic go-to. But Always. there's actually three different ways you can make more money in your business. The first one, and what's actually really easy to do right now in this inflationary time, is raise your rates. When is the last time you raised rates? What is everybody else charging? How much room do you have to raise your rates? The second one is to cut your costs. So kind of going through that expense exercise that I talked mm -hmm. about. If you have less money going out the door, then you have more money left in the business. Your profit margins are going to increase. Mm -hmm. And some of that's getting creative. Some mm -hmm. of it is saying this is required to happen in my business, but how else could I do it? What are some so creative ways? I have some off the top of my head, but what would you like give an example of a creative way? So if you are a brick and mortar and you're not using all of your space, could you share the space? Mm -hmm. Could you sublet the space? Could mm -hmm. you bring in another owner that does something complimentary that that matches what you're doing and you guys are able to not just share the space and share the cost but now you're cross-marketing as well mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we were able to do that with my brick and mortar um somebody wanted to open a dancewear boutique and i had the space and it it worked out fabulously because i i literally was like i need to lower my rent a thousand dollars how can i do this <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was a beautiful gift that landed in my lap. Um, but I think another creative way that I, um, don't pay for some, if you like your website or your stuff like that, don't pay monthly pay yearly, and you can bundle it even three to five years, you know, you're going to be in business. You know, if you're at a space where, you know, you're going to be in business, mm -hmm. the more you buy, the more you save. So on those things, like bundle it up. Yeah. This is so meaty. Like my, my head is spinning. So I can't even think of questions because I'm like, okay, how can I do this? It's okay. We've business? got one more profit lever and you're going to love yeah. it. Okay. Help me out. Help me out. <laughs> Once you know what your most, you need to know your most profitable product or service. Yes. Everybody offers more than one thing. Yep. What makes you the most money? When we were talking about that revenue and cost of goods sold, mm -hmm. knowing which item or service makes the most money, then go sell the heck out of it. Mm -hmm. And you will be surprised. A lot of times the thing making you the most money is going to be one of your more entry-level products anyways, which is so much easier to sell. Oh my gosh. So true. So true. And that for marketing as well, because we do, we have a lot of spokes to our business and that's good. And we want to have that. Sometimes we get too much and, and, and that's the other reason to look down. So um, this is, Okay. So finishing that thought, because I, I have something else. So when I talk with marketing, I always do say like, like, look at your most profitable and your most popular. And sometimes they're not the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. But usually there's similar similarities. Um, and then market the hell out of that and just focus on that. Now, um, back to your PNL, this is a bookkeeping thing. So do you recommend like itemizing each of those things so you can really see like each product or service that you offer needs to be itemized? Okay, this dance class. To the, I wouldn't go totally crazy with it. Right, okay. But to the extent that they're different enough in price and what, what it takes to provide it, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then I would itemize them in your p and Mm -hmm. because otherwise you don't know what's most profitable and you don't know what's most popular. You could literally look at your P&L and see what's the most popular just by looking at your P&L. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And that does take it. I mean, once it's set up, it's set up. It's the setting up that always takes the, it takes the time. Yeah. Okay. So Danielle, this was really meaty. How can people, um, I hope, I hope all of you just grab some nuggets here of like helping. I love the required expenses, the personal perks and the investments, like thinking about that in our business, because yes, there are a lot of personal perks that come with running a business and that's awesome. And we need to take advantage of them. Um, for sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, the cash flow, that's the big, number one reason businesses don't make it, the cash flow. And we're hitting, you know, people are with interest rates right now and everything like in the inflation and everything. It's, I feel like every year it's more like I, I hate um, something, right? And I'm just like, I've spoke to my business that. I feel like every time I'm launching this product, I'm talking about the inflation or the uncertainty of the economy. And of course, this product has been out since 2021 and we relaunch it every six months. So it's like, wow, I don't like that. I don't like, I don't like that dread or that scary feeling, but sometimes that sells as well, you know, for people to be like, okay, this is a good, good time to invest here because it's a good good use of my resources that are not as, you know, not as much, you know, when you're marketing your business. Something. I feel it like is. we're on the other side of people are, while inflation still sucks, don't get me wrong. People yeah. are not talking so much about a recession as they were at the beginning of the year. Right. But now everybody's talking about the unknowns of election time. Oh, and sure. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My dad was like, the first degree is on. I'm like, what? I suppose. Yeah. We're getting into 2024. Awesome. Here we go. You're right. You're right. It's always something. And um, business owners, we, in order to thrive, we need to really have um, a handle on this. So you're a fractional CFO. So that is different than a bookkeeper. Yes. Yes. Okay. So your bookkeeper is going to look at all of the numbers and categorize them for you. Your tax preparer, whether a CPA or an EA, is going to look at all the results from the bookkeeper and make sure you're taking all the tax deductions you should and that you get all the regulatory things filed. But a fractional CFO is kind of that happy space in the middle. I don't do the bookkeeping. I don't do the taxes. I know just enough to make sure we're asking the right questions on both sides. But it's really about building that budget, building a cash flow forecast, and comparing it to what's actually happening so that you can make sure once we've set this roadmap that we're staying on track. And if we're not, you've got information real time right now to make changes in the business or the budget and go where you want to go in the future. If you are a growing business and you're struggling to find the confidence to make the business decisions, to take that next step, having that financial foundation is what can give you the confidence to take what I like to call calculated risks. We Mm -hmm. calculate the risk. So, you know, if you want to go hire that next employee, this is what it's going to cost. This is what we need to do to fill them. And this is how we're going to get there and what it's going to do to your to your PL. This is how much more money it'll make you. Or if it's a bad decision, we can sit and say, until we've got the space, because what if you want to hire another employee, but you don't actually have a place to put them, to put the class? You might have mm-hmm. the person, but not the space. Mm-hmm. And then that's not going to lead to more time because you can't fill more seats. So those kind of conversations, if you're ready, you have that instinct of, I need to do something. I'm ready for that next decision in my business, but you're scared to take the leap. Then having a fractional CFO sit down and run the scenarios, run the numbers, build the budget, 
gives you the confidence to say, yeah, we can do this. I work with all of my clients in the same framework. Everything's going to go through balance sheet, expense, revenue, budget, cash flow for all of the same steps. It's just a matter of how in-depth we want to get. I work with clients on what I will call a strategy call basis, just the one-offs. Hey, I need to pick your brain. Let's go over this thing. Um, I also work with clients in a VIP day scenario where we could sit down and in six hours, and that's a lot of time to talk finance. Trust me, we will send some treats along the way. <laughs> in six hours, we will go through those six steps and show you how to do it for yourself. You will be the one in QuickBooks driving, making sure you understand okay. where to click, how to run, what to pull, and where to look. And then we can touch base with some strategy calls throughout. And then as clients start getting into those multi-six figures, then we go into the more focused CFO monthly meetings. We do all the work for you and maintain the budget so that you don't have to be as hands-on anymore. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we work in the same six parts, no matter who it is, but it's just a matter of how many touch points do we need to get you comfortable. And our mission at Four Corners is to bring those big business concepts to every business owner. So I'm constantly working on ways to bring it and make it accessible to the small business world. Wow, this was really good, Danielle. Thank you so much. So the best way people can get a hold of you. My website is going to be the best way and we are going to create a landing page just for you guys. It'll Yay. be the number four corners, cfo.com slash brick and mortar. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we will make sure that's in the show notes, of course, as well. Hyperlink. So it's ready to go. And Danielle, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, for sharing your wisdom here. Um, I know my head is spinning, so I'm going to have to re-listen to this episode when it goes live just to like re regroup. Um, and um, thank you so much. So everybody go check her out. And if you are in a place in your business where you want to go to the next level, but you just need some um, confidence behind that with numbers and your financials, make sure you're looking at things correctly. Reach out to Danielle. We'll have all her information ready for you. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. All right, everybody, uh, leave a rating and review. Uh, share this podcast out to your network, and we will see you here, same time, same place next week. Peace. Bye-bye. Oh, my goodness. You are still here. You are so awesome. So here's what you're going to do. Number one, you're going to click that follow button so that you can get the latest episode of Brick and Mortar Visibility every week. Second, leave an honest rating on Apple iTunes. This is how more people can know about brick and mortar visibility. And number three, come on over to Facebook into the Rebel Women Tribe. The link is in the bio. This is where I hang out and share with you every week the nitty gritty of running a studio business. I share with you the tips, tools, and strategies that are working right now in my business to help you in yours. It's real, it's raw, it's unfiltered, and it's fun. So come on over. I'd love to meet you.